0: Welcome to Football with Grant Wall. Thanks so much for joining me. Today's interview guest is Janine Becky of the Canadian National Team and Manchester City. We've had some great guests lately, including Tyler Heaps, F. Anakoku, and Paco Villa. So check those out. Now, here's my interview with Janine Becky. Our guest now is Janine Becky. She plays for Manchester City and the Canadian National Team. She's currently an analyst for Canada's TSN during the Euros, and the Texas Tech alum has just been named to the Canadian Olympic team four years after winning an Olympic bronze medal at Rio 2016. She joins me from her off-season home in Denver, Colorado. Janine, congratulations on everything you're doing, and thanks for
1: coming on the show. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Fantastic. Um, So we're recording this on Monday night. We're coming out Thursday morning. We've just today seen two astonishing Euro games, France going out to Switzerland and Spain beating Croatia 5-3 in extra time. Are you like me, does it take some time to come down after watching games like this and talking about them on television?
1: Yes, and especially because I was talking about them on television through my computer at my home. I was watching them on my computer and I just don't think it's really set in yet how epic the two games today were and how in the next Euros and for Euros and major tournaments for the rest of eternity, people are gonna be talking about this day. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. It's really true. I mean, I, I mean, sometimes we have a recency bias. I feel like, but I don't think that's the case today. I think these were two epic games, like you say, that um, that we're going to be talking about for years and years. Um, obviously, there's more games to come in the Euros between the time we talk now and when we publish. There will be two more round of sixteen games, including England Germany. Um, you're doing television with TSN for the Euros. And I'm wondering how did that TV work come about and how are you experiencing it so far?
1: Yeah, uh, it's actually what my degree is in. So I got a degree in media from Texas Tech, and broadcast is something that I've always been interested in. I used to think that I was going to be some like a sideline reporter uh, for like American football games, and then very quickly once I started playing soccer at a more serious level, I was like, yeah, that's probably not what I want to do. And I'm not very knowledgeable when it comes to American football, so that <laughs> fell out the window really quickly. Um, but yeah, the the opportunity kind of came about through through Canada soccer, which was really amazing. PSN reached out to them and, and asked if they had any recommendations for any of the national team players that maybe wanted to be as involved as I am, or maybe a little bit less involved. And so they put my name forward, which was awesome. And I was super thankful for that. And so, yeah, I jumped right in. I was like, absolutely wasn't sure how it was going to work because of my travel schedule this summer, but it's actually been so amazing. And I've only been, I think I've done maybe like a week and a half of like, live full days which I have to say I have mad respect for the people that do this like pretty consistently because it is definitely really really hard work you have to be really prepared they're long days Um, and sometimes like today really unexpected things happen so yeah I've really really enjoyed it and I definitely see myself you know continuing to do this while I'm playing and when I'm done. Nice um what have been
0: some of your favorite moments of the Euros so far?
1: Oh gosh, that's such a tough question because there's been so many crazy moments. I think one of my favorite things, which has come out of such a traumatic thing, was is just Denmark's story and and obviously Christian e- Eriksen. And I found out the news about Christian Eriksen while I was like fly- on a flight back from Spain, and so it was so weird because I think everyone experiences those kind of traumatic events differently and there's obviously no comparison to what the people that were actually there were feeling, but just from being part of like the footballing community, I felt that really, really kind of much stronger than I would have expected. And so that was just a crazy time, but to have seen the team do so well after going through such a traumatic event has been just an incredible story to follow and an incredible story to, to cover. And so I think um, one of my favorite moments was their, their last game of the group stage when they, I think it was, they scored four goals. I think it was four, was it four one or four two? Yeah. And uh, yeah, just like, I'm not sure I've ever had more chills like watching a sporting event ever. So that was really cool. And then I've really loved following Italy. They've been such a fun team to watch, especially after having quite little success over the last couple of years. Um, And they're just such a fun team to watch because they have so much passion and they play such good football. And then obviously today, today is probably like my highlight of the whole tournament, just being involved in 14 goals in one day. It's just, it's actually blowing my mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely incredible stuff. Um, I know that you shared on the Euros television coverage today, some of your experiences personally with online abuse. And I'm wondering what did that include? Uh, What was the context that it came up in on the TSN coverage? And and what do you want to see start happening?
1: Yeah, it's um, something that I'm very thankful that I haven't experienced a lot in my career and definitely not at the same level as I think a lot of athletes, not just soccer players, but, you know, athletes in general and people in general with online abuse. But the way it came up today was we were speaking about um, a Spanish player who's received a lot of criticism for his play and some threats towards his family, and they had asked me beforehand if I was okay with them asking me about my missed penalty in the 2019 World Cup and kind of what came on the back end of that. And I realized this morning that this was kind of the first time that I had spoken about the abuse side of it publicly, I've spoken about the the situation of missing the penalty and what that was like from a footballing perspective and all that. but. I had just kind of had this realization that I never really spoke about it. And I think there's there's a lot of people that are just very passionate about the game, and that's fantastic, and, and I love that kind of passion. But when it's directed towards someone in a way that makes you feel like you've done something on purpose, it's like it's just a really difficult thing to handle and and some people have the opinion of oh well you know you kind of open yourself up to that when you use social media and it's to be expected and why don't you just choose not to look at it and it's like we're human (laughs) we're not just like these robots that that play the sport and then don't pay attention to anything that anyone says about you like I am a human and I care about what people think. And so, yeah, I think I made a poor choice to look at it as much as I did, but it was kind of like, once I saw a few, it was like this just rabbit hole of, I saw everything and, um, not to get like too specific, but there, yeah, some people were really, really evil, what they said. And it's just really, really unfortunate that people feel like they have the right to say that to someone, especially when it's about a sporting event. Like it's a very small thing on the grand scheme of life and i think also in the light of what has happened this past year um and how much racial abuse is going on online and not that it's more than it ever has been, but it's highlighted more than it ever has been because people are talking about it, which I think is great that we're that we're talking about it and we're noticing it. Um, and so I've had my fair share of experiences with, with teammates receiving abuse. And there's been a lot that's been on going on in the premier league that I've seen because I live in England and, uh, the premier league is, is doing some good things in terms of starting the conversations around that, but you know, something needs to be done and, in my opinion, that's, you know, how do we regulate the things that are said on social media while not infringing on people's right to speak and have their opinion, but hold people accountable for things that just are completely not acceptable to say. So that was kind of the, the way the conversation went today. And yeah, it was really cool to to be able to speak about that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. And I appreciate you sharing that. Um, if you had any advice right now for Killian Mbappe, who obviously is one of the great emerging stars of world football, and yet today he missed a great goal-scoring chance late in the game and then misfired, had his penalty saved on the decisive penalty against Switzerland what would you if what would that advice be if he asked you?
1: Oh gosh, he's such a superstar. I don't know what it would be like <laughs> coming from someone like me, but I would just say to like look at his repertoire of what he's done in his career at the age of 22. Like this is going to be maybe a defining moment in his career because I think as an athlete you look back on on these moments and you say yeah that really changed me or that was a um you know a turn for me and he's everyone knows he's a fantastic player and he was such a big conversation going into this tournament and I think if we're being honest his performance wasn't necessarily bad it was just think he was like so built up that everyone thought he was going to do all this amazing stuff, which he's very capable of doing as we've all seen. And then maybe he just fell short of expectation a little. And then you, you know, you are relied upon to score the most important goal in this game and your team's future in the tournament is now on the line. And, and was it a bad penalty? No. Was it his best? No, but it was also a good save. And so I think that's something for me missing a penalty I just did air quotes for people that can't see me um you have to take into consideration that I actually didn't miss she saved it or he saved it in this instance and so that for me kind of helped frame a different perspective on the whole thing and and no question it's gonna really hurt for a while for him to go through this but I think my advice would just be to to look back and, and look at what he's done and what he's gonna continue to do he's so young and then to If he does choose to read things, which he's human, I'm sure even if he chooses not to, he'll hear about them um, to, to realize that, you know, not everyone is coming from a credible spot and everyone's privy to their own opinion. But unfortunately, there probably will be a lot of things that are said that are over the line. And that's where, you know, I hope that as athletes and as a greater community, we can keep pushing for for things to be changed so that that's not as much of a reality for people in general, but for athletes as well.
0: I want to step back a little bit, if possible, and just ask you, what's your soccer story? How did you rise in the game?
1: Yeah, I have a bit of a weird life story because everyone's (laughs) like, you're Canadian, but you play in England and you live in the U.S. Like, it's just my life is confusing. Um, But so I was born in Denver um, to two Canadian parents and I have three Canadian older siblings. So all my siblings and both my parents are from Saskatchewan, which if anyone listening can spell that without seeing it, I would be really impressed. Uh, (laughs) And then right before I was born, we moved to the States. And yet, like I said, I was born and raised here. So I played for Real Colorado, which is a very prominent um, youth club here in in the Denver area. And I went to Texas Tech. As you said, I played for Four years there and then while I was at Texas Tech I had my first experience with the national team program and that was actually the um United States national team program so I played for the under 18 age group and then the very beginning of the under 20 cycle and um I just had an opportunity the coach at the time from the U20 team in Canada called me and said we've been tracking you for a while we understand that you um have Canadian citizenship have you ever considered you know playing for Canada and at that point I really hadn't um but it really sparked my interest, and so they said you can come, come to a camp. FIFA says if you come participate in a camp, you can still go back and play for the U.S. There's no issues there, so no strings attached. And I thought, you know what, why not? Like, let's go experience it, see, see what it's like. And so I went, I think the camp was in Portland, which is so funny because we're never actually in Canada. Um, and I just fell in love with the culture that my teammates, the staff, it was just, it kind of felt like in a cliche way, I was like with my people and, uh, just like fit in right away. And so after that, I had to have some difficult conversations with some people, um, at U.S. soccer and asked all the questions I needed to ask. And I always will say there is absolutely no animosity towards U.S. soccer or the Federation and the way that that all went down. I have so much respect for the U.S. team and some of a lot of the girls that are on the current senior team I'm very good friends with because we grew up playing together. Um, but Canada soccer was just the better route for me. And, yeah, I think it's worked out pretty well. So I played in the U-20 World Cup with them in 2014, and then I made my first senior cap with canada november of 2014 against sweden and i've been with them ever since and
0: judging by the tone of everything you just said you don't seem to have any regrets from (laughs) your decision or or do you
1: i don't have any regrets you know i think it's it's a dangerous slippery slope to go down the um train i think because of the player that i've turned into would there have been an opportunity for me to make the senior women's national team in the U.S.? I think 100%. Um, at what point would that have been? And I think that was part of the consideration that I that I had to have deciding between Canada and the U.S. And just naturally with the player pool and, and the talent, based on population size, um, it would have been probably later in my career that I would have had an opportunity with the U.S. And so that was a decision that I had to make in the moment. And... Yeah, I've I've enjoyed every second of playing for the Canadian national team. I feel a lot of pride playing for them because I'm representing my family. And um, I think that that's really amazing. And uh, they've turned me into the player that I am. So I definitely don't have any regrets. It has crossed my mind. Yeah, a lot of times in my career, what if? But I think that that's probably the situation with with anyone in, in the kind of position that I'm in. So
0: Colorado seems like a soccer hotbed of sorts. You know, when I think of players from Colorado, I think of Lindsey Horan, Mal Pugh, Jordan Angeli. There's probably many others you can name as well. Mm-hmm. Um, is I'm always fascinated with hotbeds and, and like, is there a particular style of player that comes out of the colorado hotbed or, or what are some <laughs> of the reasons that colorado has become a soccer hotbed
1: that's so funny that you say that because i was having this conversation with someone the other day um and i've known Lindsay since we were like nine years old we've played against each other so she played for the rival club in colorado so she played for the colorado rush and real and rusher rivals so uh, she had a really good team. I don't think very often we beat them, but, yeah, I've known Lindsay forever. We're great friends. Um, and then, obviously, Mal. Mal played for the same club that I played for, uh, so we we have that on Lindsay. But um, I don't really know if there's, like, something that I can narrow down Colorado being a hotbed for, but it totally is. Like, there are so many talented soccer players that come out of the state, and I'd like to think that some of it is, like, we produce good athletes because we have to train at altitude for our entire lives. Um, but I also just think it's they've they've really invested in youth soccer in Colorado and Colorado Rush, Real Colorado, the Rapids, like there's these great youth clubs and there's a big interest in it here. So there's lots of kids that are playing. Um, and it is pretty incredible that that we've produced as a state so many players that have played on the professional level and probably more population size uh, players that have played on the international level so yeah it's 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 a strange strange topic to think of Colorado as a hotbed and I can't narrow it down to one reason but you're definitely right
0: (laughs) I know you played at Texas Tech you played for a few years in the NWSL then you moved to Man City and I'm wondering how did that move to Man City come about
1: yeah, that's actually a pretty crazy story, too. So, uh, yeah, I played two years in Houston, got traded to New Jersey, and um, that year in New Jersey was, was the year that people seemed to kind of remember Sky Blue because it was the year we think the team won one game that year, and that was actually after I had already left. So, um, yeah, it was a difficult year from a – a club perspective, the club was having some issues. Um, I actually quite enjoyed my time in New Jersey. I really enjoyed my teammates. It was difficult to be there in in, in the moment with l- such little success in terms of like on the pitch. And I actually struggled for playing time quite a bit in, in New Jersey. So that was a really trying time in my career. But now that I look back on it, I'm so thankful for the experience that I had there because it really changed my perspective on some things. But um, I had contacted my agent. He had known for a while that at some point I wanted to try and go overseas. But the two years I was in Houston, Um, And to be fair, when I was in New Jersey, I I wasn't really ready to make that life change. And I didn't really want to go to a country where I didn't speak the language, which seems silly now because, I don't know, it just seems silly. But uh, so he he called me one day and he was like, this is... Oh gosh, July of 2018, I want to say. Uh, maybe it was even the beginning of August, and it was exact. The day he called me was exactly one week before the transfer window closed, and he said, uh, "City's looking for a forward. They kind of need to know, like, by the end of the day." if you want to do this. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I I don't know. So I hang up with him. I call my mom. I'm like, mom, I don't know what to do. I need to give them an answer. I really want to go, but I don't know. And so yeah, long story short, I called him back and I was like, let's do it. And, um, it was just a wild trying to get my contract signed and trying to get out of the NWSL. Um, don't envy anyone that has to deal with paperwork in that sense, because it was just wild. But yeah, long story short, again, two weeks later, I was in England. Wow.
0: Okay. And How would you describe the experience you've had at Man City?
1: In a nutshell, it's been incredible. Um, I have had a bit of a roller coaster on the pitch and with playing time and scoring goals and being in a bit of a scoring drought. But yeah, I just don't think that there's many places that could be better than than what we have from you know facilities to uh my teammates and just the quality of players that the club has um and I've really enjoyed living in England I think it's it was definitely a transition my first year was difficult from a culture perspective and then really enjoyed my second year had to play out of position pretty much all season but will be one of my favorite seasons of my career. I know. And then, yeah, this year with COVID was just like another roller coaster ride, but I have loved my experience there and I'm really looking forward to another season.
0: You know, I visited there a bunch of times. I did a chapter of my book uh, with Vincent company and, um, and, and a lot of the interviews I've done actually, I I've, kind of been around the facilities the the sort of second stadium that the women's team plays in which Mm -hmm. I mean it's incredible I remember interviewing Carly Lloyd when she was over there and and she was kind of in heaven Carly's always been sort of a gym rat as you know and Mm -hmm. and spent a lot of time there um as I recall um so it, it definitely sounds like they're doing their part to raise the standard of women's soccer in England, which is happening in different places around the country now. Um, Do you think that, I I know there's a new big television contract, or at least a bigger television contract for the FAWSL for next season. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's going to have a pretty big impact on potentially even more big name women's players coming over there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think what I would boil it down to is how well England did in the 2019 World Cup because since then we've really seen a big shift in women's football in England and it's been really cool to be a part of Uh, Barclays took over the league before last season, I think, which was an incredible step in the right direction from uh, from where they were before. And now, yeah, Sky Sports has signed a deal, which if anyone in England or anyone familiar with, like, the Premier League, you'd think of Sky Sports. Like, that's just the channel that you think of, the network that you think of. So the fact that some of our games are going to be on that network – uh, I think is gonna bring a lot more fans to the women's game but it also is it's a super attractive league for players overseas. I mean it was for me it was like a no-brainer going to play in England because it's like Football Heaven and I've uh, been totally engulfed in the football culture. so I really hope to see more big names come over. Obviously, like Sam and Rose came and, and had their experience and really brought a lot of attention with them, which was great for growth of, you know, American fans of the, of the women's league in England and then all over the world. Cause obviously they're, they're world-class players. So yeah, I definitely hope that those kind of decisions continue to have an impact on who comes to play in the league. Would
0: you have any interest when you're over in England in doing soccer media over there while you're still playing or, or how have you thought about that at
1: all? Absolutely. Again, another conversation I was having recently, I would, uh, I'm would. i actually really looking forward to hopefully being able to work the women's Euros next summer, nice. and obviously the tournament is in England, which would be incredible, and uh, I have uh, I have knowledge of the men's game, but I have so much knowledge of the women's game because I'm so much a part of it and have so many you know, former teammates, current teammates that will be playing in that tournament, so yeah, this is definitely something that I want to do while I'm still playing, and it's one of those things that I can do while I'm still playing. Which is uh, can't be said about a lot of things. So I definitely want to continue to do it.
0: You're very much still a player. Uh, obviously, <laughs> you've got the Olympics coming up soon. Um, what do you think it's going to be like this time around?
1: Oh gosh, I'm like trying not to have any expectations because it's just like we really don't know and we go into our pre-camp in the next couple days and I'm sure we'll get loads of information when it comes to protocols and all of that um, more so than the information that we've got so far but it's just been a weird one because since the Olympics got postponed I feel like I've been really pessimistic trying not to get too excited that it would actually happen and now that it's so close it's just like I'm not really going to believe it's happening till we're actually in Japan um, but from from a non- COVID-related perspective. It's going to be an incredible tournament. I think when you look at the 12 teams that are participating, there's not one that you really look at and say, oh, that'll be a pretty you know easy game for A, B, and C. It's going to be a really competitive tournament. And I think that that's what... You want definitely what you want is a player, but absolutely what you want is a viewer because it's just really, really great football. So the Olympics is a very much different tournament to the World Cup. And I had that experience when I played in 2016. It's fast, it's furious. It comes and goes really, really quickly. So gotta stay healthy, stay ready. And um, yeah, it's, it matters from the whistle on the first game.
0: I wanna ask you about the Canada-USA rivalry which in women's soccer is a good one, uh, -hmm. in in the rivalry scheme. Um, I was in the stadium in 2012, uh, in the Olympics for that epic four, three game. Um, Canada went on to win the bronze medal in that tournament. There've been a lot of games over the years. You clearly know a lot of players on the U S team. Um, and I've been on the sidelines of games before doing television for them, when like it can get pretty hard fought. Mm-hmm. What, what have you learned about this rivalry in your experience?
1: Oh, gosh. So like 2012, that game, I had to have a history lesson on because I was very far away from playing for Canada at that point. Um, I don't even remember watching the game I'm sure I was but I don't I have a terrible memory in the first place so I don't remember it but I have gotten over and over the perspective of my Canadian teammates that played in that game Uh, it's a still to this day a very very sore subject so very controversial but that's kind of the epitome of this rivalry has come a lot from previous games but obviously that game and then yeah, it, we just really don't like each other when we're on the field against one another, um, and it's exciting for the players. It's exciting for the fans. You always want a good rivalry, but um, in my experience, playing in those games, it's just like adrenaline for ninety minutes. It's just like pumping through your veins. It's different than playing in any other game, and and coaches will always say this is just another game, like, but it's really not. Like everyone knows that it's there's. So much on the line and we really hate losing to them and they hate playing against us and it'll always be such a good game. So yeah, one of my favorite games against them was uh, we had a series in 2017, played the first game in Vancouver at BC Place and played the second game in San Jose. And the first game was uh, a 1-1, probably one of my favorite performances as a team we've ever had. And then the second game we ended up losing, but I scored in that game. Uh, And that will forever be one of my favorite goals. Hopefully I score on them and it matters more at some point, <laughs> but that was a good one.
0: When you head into an Olympic tournament, are you sort of hoping to get the U.S. at some point? Would that be a sign that you've gone deep in the tournament like you want to?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I just said, all the teams in the tournament are good, so every game is big. But just like in 2016, we played France in the quarterfinal, like you don't expect to play a team that good in the quarterfinal. And then we had Germany in the semifinal. It was like these big hitters. So you kind of have to expect to play the best teams. Like you said, er, as early on as possible means you're probably going in the right direction. Um, and, yeah, it's just so unpredictable. I Yeah, I hope that we get them in this Olympics. We have an incredible team going. Uh, the The games against the U.S. in the last, I don't know, I would say – probably 2012 on so maybe the last decade I've been incredibly competitive and that's always the case but I have yet to play them in in a tournament that there's something on the line so yeah I mean I'm crossing my fingers that we get them at some point
0: I know your brother is a professional soccer player I know you have other siblings as well Mm -hmm. um is your family a soccer family? Like, do you guys talk about the game a lot together?
1: Yeah, huge soccer family, huge sports family. Both my parents played basketball in college. Um, my oldest sister played collegiate soccer. My other sister play was going to play collegiate basketball um, and then ended up choosing a different route. But yeah, my brother still plays. He's playing for Athletico Ottawa in the Canadian Premier League, uh, just got player of the match and made team of the week. So go him. Um, But yeah, I mean, we talk about the game constantly, uh, sometimes a little bit more than I think everyone wants to. (laughs) Uh, But we're very rarely all together as a family. So when we are, uh, there are definitely things that come up and After every game, I always have a text from him about something and he's learned a little bit better now than he used to be to wait for the criticism to come until the sting of whatever the result has been has worn off a little bit. But I will say I'm very thankful to have a brother that's so knowledgeable in the game uh, and I've definitely learned a lot from him.
0: I guess my last question for you would be, what are your goals in the coming years? (laughs)
1: Big question. Um, I've always been a super ambitious person. I'm very driven. I I love the game so much. I have so many aspirations. and, And one of the reasons why I went to England was to become the best player that I could be and put myself in an environment that challenges me every day. And I've learned about myself a lot as a competitor, being in a really challenging environment and yeah, I mean, I want to win the Olympics. I want to win the World Cup. I I want to, you know, be considered one of the best players in the world, if not the best. And I have in my mind that I can be that player. Um, and I have aspirations at the club level too. I've won a few trophies with with City, and I want to win the Champions League. Uh, but at the end of the day, I want to look back on my career and, and leave no stone unturned as they say, um, just really, really enjoy myself and have all the experiences that I can. And this game has brought me so much. um, And I'm just, I'm so excited that I still, you know, fingers crossed have a lot of my career ahead of me, but yeah, I definitely have some big aspirations and, and hopefully the, you know, the chase for one of those dreams is gonna start here in the next couple of weeks. So that's exciting.
0: Janine Becky plays for Manchester City and the Canadian national team. You can see her in the upcoming Olympic Games and on TSN, if you're listening in Canada or the northern, very northern parts of the United States. Janine, thanks so much for joining me.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Grant. It was great.
0: Thanks for listening to Football with Grant Wall. I'd like to thank Janine Becky as well as producer Chris Whittingham. If you like the podcast, you could do me a huge favor and hit that subscribe button and provide a rating and a review. I'm back soon with another interview of someone from the soccer world. Be safe, everyone. See you next time.